Oh, no. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oh No with Anna Campion. It's me, Anna Campion. Still me. Have not, uh, tragically have not switched bodies with Zach Braff yet. Um, I'm hoping that the hexes work one of these days. Um, because I'd treat her right. <laughs> I'd treat you right, Florence. Um, uh, this is a podcast all about embarrassing stories and absurd stories, uh, and I am joined today um, by the lovely Jatin Dasgupta. Hello, Jatin. How are you? Uh, hello. Um, I, I just right off the bat, I, I wanted to inquire after uh, what what kind of spellcraft you've been attempting to, you know, snatch that aging celebrity's body. Um, mainly like manifestation uh, and a lot of like sort of dream astral projecting um oh i did have a crazy dream last night though i dreamt that i had gotten set up on a date with someone who like do you know when you have a dream and like you get set up with a person or like there's someone in the dream who like isn't actually a person in real life but like in the dream everyone's like oh my god, this person, like, everyone knows who this person is. Yeah. So I got set up on a date with this person who everyone knew who they were, but, and in the dream, I did too, but, like, when I woke up, I was like, that's not a real person. And, um, and, like, we had a great date, and then, like, the day after the date, I got a call from one of my exes, and they were like, it was me the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> what? And it was like my ex had, like, body swapped with this person i guess in the dream so that so maybe that's also why so i've been like trying to manifest maybe this, that was like, like a failed swapping. attempt that was like your spell being maybe. deflected maybe that's i don't know yeah of, i just that's kind of creepy i light a lot of incense you know i um i bought some dice in a thrift store those could be haunted um i do i do have my little collection of rocks here on my here here look i have a I have a rose quartz in here somewhere here we go yeah so yeah, i mean that could work something that reminds me of something i notice in dreams a lot which this seems to be very much an example of is something i call like like forced sameness where like mm -hmm. you see in a dream there are like you know two people or like two elements or two places that are presented as like different but mm -hmm. in real life, like, when you wake up, you realize, like, that was two versions of literally the same thing. That was, like, a copy-pasted thing that your dream yeah. makes you think are different. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Interesting. I had a Dreams dream are... where um, I was taking an IQ test. <laughs> um, it was, like, a proctored, like, standardized test-style IQ test um, in at, at like the top of a high building and there are a lot of people mm -hmm. from my high school also taking this IQ test at the same time our high school our high school How yes dare um, you? for the Go listeners Highlanders. um me and Anna did attend the same high school and middle school and elementary school. and middle school and elementary school I actually don't know if I ever met you in high school um which well I knew um I knew your sweet twin oh yeah your sweet twin um I mean, I knew who you were. Yeah, but... I knew who you were. Like, I followed you on Twitter and stuff. Oh, yeah. I feel yeah, kind of, you know, it feels kind of silly because I probably would have gotten along better with you than most people I hung out with in high school retroactively. I mean, ditto. <laughs> ditto, ditto. <laughs> um, so, this IQ test, it was frustrating me a lot because there was this, like, this, like, you know, 
kind of standard trope of this like tall handsome orange-haired middle-aged white guy who was really mean but like in like a funny way so the other kids liked him okay Um, and he he was like he kept both like talking to me to distract me and just like making me like arbitrarily like restart the IQ test which was like timed very strictly and like you know telling me that like my pencil was banned and stuff like that and then the narrative you know you're when your dream just like the narrative totally shifts where like the same event is happening but you get new memories so it's like a Mm -hmm. different story now so the narrative shifts in the middle of me just like haranguing this guy I was like outright like I was just like outright calling him like an asshole like in front of everyone else taking the IQ test and it was really awkward for them probably mm-hmm. I was like you are a pedant and I was like talking like in like an old-fashioned <laughs> kind of insult guy I was like you are a pedant and a scoundrel and you are you are, ar- you are arbitrarily enforcing these unfair rules upon me I fucking hate you mm-hmm. and then suddenly the narrative shifts and I was like some kind of like contract killer or something or like a failed contract killer and I this was actually like a in in the narrative of the dream a punishment for me like in the most like cliched way ever refusing an assignment (laughs) to kill a young girl from my assassin organization classic (laughs) and then like after just like you know this guy started acting like weirdly he was weirdly like amenable to my arguments but just not changing his mind he was like that's a that's a good point but still like your pencil's banned you gotta start take that QS again you have 15 minutes left and you haven't even started writing because you're busy arguing with me mister Mm -hmm. and then he says he points out to the girl i refused to kill who's apparently just like also taking the iq test (laughs) it's just like this fucking 12 year old or something right (laughs) and he was like all right you can you can start over the iq test if you kill her oh my god and i walk up to the proctor's desk which has like calculators and shit like that and also like knives and i take a knife and i walk up to the guy who is proctoring me and you kill the proctor? And I slit his throat with the knife. Oh my god. And no one cares. And the whole IQ test. Jesus <laughs> they're, they're Christ. They're busy taking their IQ test. But I was like, That's harrowing. I was like, no. <laughs> you know, um, speaking of dreams and high school, I have stress dreams about high school all the time. Really? I constantly have a dream, and this is a recurring dream, where it's my senior year and it's the last day of my senior year at McLean day. High School home of, the, home of the Highlanders and I am being told that I'm not allowed to graduate because I have to take a final in a class that I have not attended once that you that have year. not and even heard of and it's a math class in the green hall <laughs> which um you know f- most people who listen to this podcast didn't go to McLean High School home of the Highlanders but um, there was the uh, there's the red hall, which was the main hall, um, and that had the gyms off of it. Um, and then there was the, or maybe I guess okay. So tell no, the, tell me if I'm getting the this red wrong. hall had like was the one that like, that's the one that went Ms. on the Wagner main drag and from Lands- like and Miss Dwyer's and Miss Caponetti's classroom was in, right? Like, the one that ran, like, parallel to, like, when you came in from the senior lot? I guess. Was it? I don't... I, you know what? I actually don't remember. Because... <laughs> okay, because I know the Blue Hall had all the English classes yes. and the history classes. Oh, yeah. No, the Blue Hall was, was the where... one, like, nestled in the middle, like a tunnel. Yeah, yes, and that... Because that, that had... um 
that had that had Miss Caponetti's room. For that was a where Miss Wagner's room was actually. Miss yes. Caponetti's room was like right in the corner of yes, where you at, right before it. you yeah. banked a left to get to the Hall of Assholes. And uh, that one fucking and I mean she wasn't an asshole, but Miss Mo, the the shop teacher, right? That was her name. I not that I ever had her. I um, do I look like I took a shop? <laughs> <laughs> We were in AP Lit. <laughs> we were not in shop. Um, I took creative then, writing as an elective. Thank you very much. I took um, broadcast journalism and leadership. Those are my electives. Oh, um, the, yeah, the Cardo ones. <laughs> Fuck you. I loved attention. Um, I can, you know, that that's that suited you well, I think. Yeah. Uh, but then, so, at, so in my dream, I have to run through that hall where all the English classes were in my comfort zone and the history classes. And then I have to go upstairs to what I believe was the green hall, which had all the math classes oh, the and hall, the yeah. foreign classes. Yeah. The foreign, the foreign language classes. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, like literally like the Spanish and the, and the French. Yeah, there was little German. Italy. There was Chinatown. Yeah, there's K-Town, uh, you know, Little Poland. Um, yeah, and then you would go upstairs from that to the Yellow Hall, I think, which was the science. Yes. You know, we and joke about was... that Little little Poland stuff, but I genuinely would not be that surprised if there was, like, technically, legally a foreign embassy inside McLean High School. <laughs> no, me neither. Me neither. Considering um, the crowd that... Well, yeah. So for those for those listening who aren't familiar, so McLean is is um, it's in Fairfax County, Virginia, which is in Northern Virginia. Um, so we went to school with some like war criminals, like yeah, like children. Like at you least... graduated with a war criminal's child. I know he's a good friend. He's a good friend of mine, actually. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know what? I actually don't know specifically who you're referring to, <laughs> but one of them. <laughs> There's, we had a rock war architects with former CAA directors. We had mm-hmm. high up DOD officials. We had kids who thought their parents were State Department until <laughs> yeah. they were 18, where they learned they were actually CAA. Yep. Many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, mixed in with a lot of Mormons for some reason. <laughs> Can't explain that part. And actually, you know, of, um... Mormons are prime CAA recruiting. Um, targets. It totally makes sense because a lot of them have to be bi if not trilingual and a lot of them are very good at um, basically like blending in with other people and sort of like it, entrenching themselves into other cultures because of how much tra- like actually very good training they get. Yeah, they get trained trips. to do imperialism. <laughs> well, because one of my one of my very good friends to this day um, is Mormon and she did her mission trip in Seattle, but she was assigned to um, like uh, uh like basically like the hispanic neighborhood of seattle where it was like it was known where like um hispanic and um latinx people like went to if if they were my sort of like migrating into um the seattle area and so now she's like fucking fluent in spanish and she's in law school and i'm fucking sure that she's gonna get a call from the fbi or the cia i'm positive all... and i wouldn't yeah it's crazy um, that was and, a very and yeah, I think her parents are both pretty high up, uh, government, or at least they were, I think they're now, uh, retired. Um, there were a lot of diplomats, children, um, yeah. it's crazy, man. It's crazy where, where so we So it lived. was a really weird place, cause like, it was a type of place where like, 
you knew the name of like a character from the news when you were a kid on like a personal level before you knew that they were like a news character so you'd see like scooter libby was at all of my soccer games in the the third grade (laughs) because <laughs> i played soccer with his daughter yeah exactly exactly the kind of i knew happens. scooter libby <laughs> and then i saw him in the newspaper when i was like 10 and i was like mom is this blank's dad and my mom was like yeah you know scooter libby <laughs> oh my god yeah among the famous people who lived in mclean virginia when we lived there was colin powell dick cheney newt gingrich uh uh, James Comey. James Comey, yeah. James Comey, father of a former McLean High School student as well, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, fun fact, James Comey's wife yelled at me on a field trip in the fourth grade. <laughs> that would give you, like... I think, like, Robin Wright is playing her in the, in the like, in the fucking the TV Comey show they're making about him. Yeah, I wonder who's gonna play me. Whatever masturbatory... <laughs> Samurai my 10 year old punk self who deserved to get yelled at on the colonial williamsburg field trip fun fact <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ yeah that so that would get you cool points for like a stretch of four months among liberals being yelled at by james comey and then like after that for some reason you'd be considered like a total you know a total like a uh, scandalous uh russian plant who deserved to get yelled at yeah well i was 10 and i was giving james comey's daughter uh who i'm sure is a nice enough girl i was jokingly giving her shit because i was wearing a bunch of washington football team gear and she was wearing a new york giants hat and my joke was that those two are rivals in the in the um in the uh fucking um nfc east and um i just had a brain fart for a second so i kept saying like oh blank i your hat sucks like whatever because i'm like a punk 10 year old who's just trying to like make conversation at you know six in the morning on this fucking bus ride and her mom cornered mrs comey cornered me in the bathroom and was like you stop talking to her and i was like okay and i've heard from other people who were like in the class with me at the time like they had like very similar experiences where they were like no no that wasn't you like she was really intense <laughs> like she's really intense so i don't know how much cred that gets me in the podcasting community that's but... pretty cool the thing about defending your daughter and i say this like <laughs> this is one of those things i often like imagine is true and i've literally no as, like as a as a as a gay guy with no kids i'd love to hear <laughs> there is no this. like empathetic there's no empathetic reason for me to, like, infer this, but I just, like, sometimes pretend mentally that, like, yeah, that's, like, my son when, like, I see, like, a tweet mm-hmm. or something about being a parent. Anyway, the thing about defending your daughter, comma, I imagine, is mm-hmm. that it always seems, like, way cooler and nobler in your head than in mm-hmm. practice, right? Because, like, that is one of I, the I... most instinctual things you can do as a human is defend your fucking daughter and so like well and here's the thing if i was older or if i if i was a teenager or if i was like a teacher at the time giving her this shit like that would be totally deserved but i was like a fellow 10 year old yeah um so you and i both have a passion in common yes and that passion is uh romantic movie and novel tropes yes um and so yeah um 
and we've discussed this we've discussed this at length like what Mm -hmm. our favorite tropes are what our least favorite tropes are so like tell me how you got into that world so i actually like most of my early exposure to like caring about fictional romance comes from you know like trashy like fantasy ya novels Oh, uh, obviously, which, you know, present oftentimes, with the exception of Percy Jackson the Goat, like, very odd, skewed, like, weirdly fucked up relationships. <laughs> and those kind of fascinated me. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as an adult, like, as a kid, what was cool about them is, like, one, just, like, seeing a way to, like, bring, like, different and weird people together and, like, a way to kind of just, like, recruit characters into the story. But also just, like the catharsis of like all right like here's here's a cherry on top of the happy ending is that this person Mm -hmm. gets gets who they like as like a as like a trophy oftentimes um but i think that like as an adult i just like you know the reason i like romance and fiction a lot is that it it lets you it, it lets you be a guest in like a fictional character's mind and heart in like a in a much more intimate way than Mm -hmm. in normal story is you know Mm -hmm. and it it kind of takes you on a journey through like an emotional entanglement between two people and Mm -hmm. when I say that to be clear I think that almost like most fictional romance does not do this but the good ones do like (laughs) talk about this like most of the time you aren't actually really given any kind of sense of intimacy or romantic Mm -hmm. connection between two leads besides like all right, we're both, you know, we're both straight, or if it's super progressive, maybe we're both gay. Yeah, and yeah. And they're hot, and, you know... We're, and we're both 17 and on this, you we're know, around, like, changing journey. We're around each other. That's, like, yeah. basically, like, the, the two parallel formulas are, like, in a rom-coms where the characters are adults. Mm-hmm. It's that it presumes this almost, like, toxoplasmosis-esque biochemical view of human nature where the exchange Mm -hmm. of bodily fluids just like magically turns into like imprinting in someone's mind for no apparent reason um and then it's just like oh man like you know i've been like i've been like you know completely thoughtlessly sleeping with people for the past eight years and then for Mm -hmm. no reason besides the cameras on them like this one this one new person just I'm just can't it's not like they're not like the rest like I just can't get I just can't get over them for some reason they're just they're different they're just different it's not explained I mean maybe maybe they're played by a played by a Hollywood actor and <laughs> the rest of them weren't no maybe it's because she's played by Katherine Heigl she's <laughs> yeah. different and then in she's different I don't know in maybe young adult he's played by James Marsden yeah it's just, you know it's just like it I just feel like a camera wasn't following me around for all those previous yeah. years of, of romance. And then you have in, in young adult novels, it's usually literally just like the paired characters spend sufficient time together. And then it's yeah, like... Yeah, the protagonists. Yeah, it's just literally like, it's almost magnetic. I almost mm-hmm. respect it more when it's some dumb like destiny thing because like at least like that's literally a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's literally true in your universe. My, my hands are tied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, well, I mean, like, you are a voracious reader, I gather. And I'm a, I'm a voracious reader, too, and have been since I learned how to read, basically. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I was, like, one of those kids who, like, 
like I remember when I was in the second grade I brought in I got this for maybe Christmas or my birthday one year or something I got like the complete collection of the Chronicles of Narnia in one book it was like a really nice hardback book and it was big and I brought it in and I was reading it during like I don't know indoor recess or after I finished a test or something like that and my teacher was like it's a little big don't you think and then I never brought it in again because I was like so ashamed but um but like that was like the kind of like reader that I was and um I and I have to say that is some fucking YA protagonist not like other girls ass story like I, I would know. think that you I know I you know. didn't make and that it up really happened and it I know really you didn't make it up no wonder I'm so self-involved but that like, sounds are, so fucking I'm sorry made up. I'm sorry James Comey's wife yelled at me when I was 10 <laughs> I got told that the book I was reading was too big um in high school I got told excuse me um, girls aren't supposed to be smart oh yeah in in high school I got told that all the guys liked me for my personality like are you kidding me like I was destined (laughs) you're a protagonist I was destined to be like this I'm sorry um which is why I have a podcast (laughs) um where I am the main character for real (laughs) no it's like it's like some big like it's some big, like, Sarah Dessen protagonist energy. I don't know if you've read a lot of her books, but she always has some shit where, um, she was my sort of middle school, uh, situation. Because that was, like, you know, that was when I started to get horny, basically. And, um, you know, I would, like, make out with guys, and, uh, it was fine. And didn't, but didn't really like it that much. Uh, obviously, we now know why. Because <laughs> um, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> and, um, but it was like, I would read these stories of, with, um, you know, like, you know, this nerdy girl that just, like, has always been in love with her best friend. But, like, he gets a girlfriend. And then she meets, like, you know, the boy that she's always thought was kind of weird. But he turns out to be the one for her. Classic outsider like, versus childhood friend. Yes. House always big. wins, you know? It's the uh, outsider usually. Outsider wins every outsider time. Always fucking wins. You know why? Every time. You know why? This is my English major, capital W-Y. Mm-hmm. It's because it's just parallelism. The outsider represents the step into whatever exciting new world the protagonist is entering, and their affection for their childhood friend almost always mirrors when they're being emotionally tugged back into the comfort of home. Now, it wouldn't be a very interesting story if they fucking returned home, would it? Unless the outsider ends up dying in book seven, and they end up, like, very weirdly and selfishly crawling back into the bed of their childhood friend who's been waiting for them the whole time. But Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a very interesting story if they didn't pick the path that is literally paralleled by their attraction to the outsider, so the outsider always wins. Yeah, I think I think that's totally right. I also think that there's an ele- yeah. So I think the element of newness always wins, especially in books. I don't know if it always wins in real life, but I will say that like I do think you know you can only go forward, and like I also think that like um, in in all books like that, it gets to a point where it's kind of like oh, so like childhood best friend. Now you give a shit about protagonist because they've moved on with someone else. Like, that's fucking selfish. Like, the childhood friend is always set up to also be, like, the more selfish and, like, unaware one and kind of, like, the dud in comparison. Um, well, sometimes they're dumber but kinder, you know. But they yeah, don't have big an edge. big himbo vibes They don't have an edge friends. to them. 
Yeah. The, well, the outsider is always like um, a little dangerous, a little like, to be honest, sexier yeah, than maybe um, evil, childhood friend maybe who's magic. a lot safer. A lot safer. A lot like more, um, yeah, like you said, comfortable and also a little more naive. Mm-hmm. A little, like a little less like they're not, they're not, um, they're probably introduced into X struggle later on in this, in the book or the series then and whereas the outsider has been entrenched in it yeah yeah exactly they're they, they come with the back you know the weird a weird interesting inversion of this is the hunger games trilogy because in the yes. hunger games the like assumed love interest is this like badass killer kind of like a, you mm-hmm. know a tough woodsman and the new guy is this like this cuddly baker um, right and so it's like an inversion and honestly like with you know no emotional maturity involved in this decision probably just mostly me thinking gail was hot and peter was a pussy Mm -hmm. i was always like what are you doing katniss it's gail's cool right right right. but you also um you know it's kind of like um i think that why it works in the hunger games is because one the you know quote-unquote safer option in PETA. Um, is the one who Katniss has gone through this, like, Mm -hmm. pretty much indescribable journey with. Like, she cannot relate to anyone else the way that she can relate to PETA in terms of her experience in Hunger Games. And, 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 like, the war experience. And um, Gail, I think, I think it, you're right, it is an interesting inversion. However, I do think that the same thing applies because I think, Peta represents stability in a way, which is and 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 getting over the trauma that has happened to her, partly which is inflicted by Gail, might I tell, might I say, who and um, like Peta still represents a big step forward for Katniss, whereas mm-hmm. with Gail she would go back into this really like angry and grief stricken and like inability to process like the trauma that's happened to her because Gail cannot process the trauma that's happened to her or him yeah he's stuck in the past and he can't admit that he contributed Mm -hmm. to that trauma and Peta can admit that he contributed to that trauma so like it is it is you're right it is a total interesting inversion but the the basics remain the same and it's just because Katniss as a character is is different I think than your standard yeah um you know YA protag I think it's just Katniss is the one that can fight, like, among the three of them, you know? That's part of the reason. Katniss is the best of the three of them. Yeah, she's the one who can fight. She's the one who can lead. Like, Mm -hmm. oftentimes, at least at the beginning. She's the Mockingjay, baby. Yeah. At least at the beginning, usually, like, the outsider boy is, like, super strong or some Mm -hmm. some way. Oh, my God, I just realized something that's kind of very shallow of me. Is that Hmm. running through these in my head retroactively i think pretty much always when i was a kid the object in the love triangle that i preferred and was rooting for is the one that would have won in a fight (laughs) like (laughs) i don't think that's i honestly can't think of an exception that is so funny that's 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 very shallow of me i think uh mm. (laughs) just like go for the strong hottie yeah, Peta no, obviously also, is more emotional. I mean, they're coded that way for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? And especially in situations like um, The Hunger Games or Twilight or like huge series like that, like 
they want people to like get invested and like take different sides in the love triangle yeah. like, like they want it to be a topic so like they coded gail that way and cast like liam fucking hemsworth that as him for a reason like they coded jacob black the way that they did and cast taylor fucking lautner for a reason you know what i mean like they want it they want people to be invested mm -hmm. in 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 all sides of the love triangle or else it's not interesting at all i have a funny tangent about this but i'll tell you it later because it's off topic um so i came up with oh, uh, like a week ago or so when i was thinking about this i came up with a mm -hmm. theorem that I want, I want your thoughts on. Okay, I'm it's like excited. basically, <clears throat> basically, in my opinion, okay, like romantic feelings in fiction can be divided into two broad categories on a spectrum, okay. which I'm calling the sun and moon axis. <clears throat> okay. And on one side, you know, there's there's the sun aspect. And on the other side, there's a moon aspect. And I'm guessing you've, you've intuited kind of already what this means, but. Sure, but basically, let's, let's hear it all. Sun, sun derivative love comes from a place of like joy. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's the idea of, you know, being, being happy with someone. Mm -hmm. Warmth, yeah. comfort. Yeah, exactly, warmth. And, the, to be honest, much sexier, oftentimes, moon axis comes from a place of, like, anguish and desperation. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's like, for example, a, um, a love confession, and you can edit music into this. In <laughs> okay. A love confession, like under the sun axis like would sound something like when i see your smile it's like it's like it's like a second sunrise it's it's so bright i would i would never dare look away i've i've never felt anything more warm than than when you first touched my hand please please uh, come to germany with me Germany. You know, something like that. Some kind of the, okay, the confession yeah, yeah. is framed as 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 a plea to to further intertwine you into their life. Well, that second sunrise, that's good. Yeah, it comes it comes from it comes from like a place of, you know, being with this person makes me happy. Now, mm -hmm. from the moon act, from the moon your confessions would sound more along the line of like <clears throat> I need you. You are, you are the air I breathe. I can hardly even remember what the night sky looked like before I met you because when I look up, I only see your eyes reflected in the stars. <laughs> Please don't leave me. And so that's like. That's really funny. Okay. I'm uh, just that's like, off the top, off the top. I have a couple love interests like iconic love interests that in the same story who i think okay bingley sun darcy darcy moon. yeah darcy's a classic fucking moon darcy's a moon um obviously bella Jacob's and edward are like edward's moon yeah <laughs> obvi um 
One of the few healthy relationships in YA fiction, the Percy Jackson and Annabeth are very sun. That's what what's Mm -hmm. cool about them. Yeah, they're very sun. You're totally right. Because it's like you know, I'd be I I I would be happy with you is like obviously in real life like a more healthy emotional engine for love than I would fucking die without you. But the latter is so much sexier and cooler and more compelling. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, and it's and it's so like addicting to think that someone could ever think of you when you're like fourteen. It's like like, you know, now if I'm dating someone and they're like I'm breaking up with you them, the like, straight up, like, yeah. like I'm breaking up with them, um, because like you want to be in a spot, like, but I will say that like I don't think you shouldn't need romantic love. Hot take. You shouldn't need no. You should. No one should need romantic love. It should be an. It should be an add-on to what is already a ful- fulfilling and happy exactly. life. Um, but I think, uh, I I think that you went super intense with the moon and he didn't go as an in- intense with the sun because like i think because i think that like the most intense version of the sun is um is this idea of like protectiveness and ownership that doesn't come with the moon aspect <laughs> because like take. so like i'm just thinking for example jacob and edward I think Jacob feels a real sense of protectiveness and ownership over Bella that Edward never does. I think, like, a- Edward feels protective of her in certain things, sure, but I think that Edward gives her more room to, like, be her own person, and I think Jacob, like, I think that what go- what happens with the son at its worst is, hmm, like... Toxic son, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's this idea of, um, of, like... I am the only one that is going to make you happy. I am the best option for you. It's this idea of mm. ownership that I think, and the moon at its darkest is like a self-destructive, like, yeah. I will die without you, but it's not, but it, it's, which is like a manipulation, but it's not this like overbearing um, ownership. Like it's, uh, it's more of a manipulative, like the moon at its worst is a more like manipulative, like um, plea, like, like you know it's very much like you know the boyfriend who says if if you break up with me yeah. i'm gonna kill myself i actually Whereas, think the darkest moon is beyond that the darkest moon is a character who fully hates themselves and hates life but loves you know character x and sure, okay. actually intends to die for them like not like yeah. i would die without you like the way the only way that i can feel that my life has worth is if it is forfeited in defense of yours like sydney right. carton great example great example because like when my earlier example like i I don't necessarily think darcy and lizzie bennett are a toxic love at Mm. all like i think i think they are a super healthy um example of the moon dynamic we don't see what their relationship actually looks like um you do if you read death at pemberley are you kidding really good book um it's it's not written by Jane Austen. Oh, is but it one of those new age pseudo? It's really good. It's really good. It's it's still written in the style of Austen. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I really liked it. Um, and like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of like a sort of um, 
I'm trying to think of like a not so stereotypical relationship that other people like might. It's a spectrum, you know. There, there are a lot of yeah. like Lizzie and Darcy are like like in the like lower quartile of the moon half, whereas like mm-hmm. Bella and Edward are like all the way. At oh, the Bella end. and Edward are full moon, yeah. but that's also because of the vampire thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I think you know the funny thing is like in real life, like moon love is for teenagers and people who've been in wars. Like that's the, <laughs> that's really the only justification. But thing and is, like, Phoebe Bridgers. When you, <laughs> when you and like like mad depressed people. When you yeah, that that's you know isn't that a war? <laughs> when you're like fourteen, yeah. like reading these like when you're at the age that like a lot of these YA like moon love driven books are meant for, like you think that you are experiencing moon love often, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're, I mean, you're a fucking. Well, the moron. idea that you have to go through a trial to get with, yeah. to be with this person, which is like not good. Partially because you're poisoned by these exact books that reflecting the feelings that you thought you're feeling right now, but yeah, like it's like it's 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 relatable. I've been in Moon Love once, um, and I don't How'd that think turn I've out, been King? in Sun Sun Love. Um, obviously, it didn't turn out well. <laughs> It obviously went poorly. No, it was like I I was very addicted to this idea of like us being together in secret and like having to overcome like XYZ in order for us to be together. I was very much like her only real support system, like yada yada yada. It was very toxic. It wasn't good. Um and I think that that's a poor example of moon love. But I have also seen really shitty examples of sun love. Yeah. I will say. Like I do think that like um it's almost like a toxic positivity, you know, in Sun Love. Have you seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No, I haven't. Okay. There's a there's there's a there's a musical number in it called We'll Never Have Problems Again. Mm-hmm. That 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 just reminds me of what you said of yeah. that idea of Yeah, of we'll never have problems again. And this idea that you're so you're so attached to this idea that you're living this great relationship that you're just like Stepford smiling through the bad stuff instead of talking about it because talking about it would admit weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, Toxic like talking sun. about it would like break, break the spell. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. Like, let's let's think. The thing is, most rom coms are sun focused because they're for adults. Yeah, and they're bad, sun. Like. I think the sun is also easier um, to pull off because you don't actually need an emotional engine behind it to like mm-mm. convey to the viewer like oh these people like each other because that's that's the, that's that basics. Here's you know what's bad sun love is like um is is movies and rom-coms in particular where the guy like gets the girl that he's been pining for forever. Like that's toxic sun love because it's like they've built up this idea of like this person in their head and they're like i'm not even good enough it's like this idea of like i'm the only person that's right for them they're the only person that's right for me and it's this like i think it's like this it's like toxic sun love i feel like to to me it represents like when people have an idealized version of mm-hmm. a person or a relationship oh, in yeah. their mind and like the actuality doesn't live up to it like seeing someone as the key to happiness rather than right. someone a source of happiness Exactly. Like, all right, this is the final boss of me being happy is Precisely. like getting this person's love and then thumbs up from there. The bachelor, most bachelor couples, <laughs> toxic sun love. Yeah, can you call that love? Some of it, like I, I think that there, you know, I mean, 
you can call it love in the same way that you can call like fucking Jacob and Bella love. That's, you know what I mean? Okay, like, but if it, yeah, I guess at least there's an author telling us versus there's no author. Oh, you in don't life. think? Oh, you don't think there's authors? You don't think there's a bajillion story producers who are telling us exactly how to feel on The Bachelor? Because there are. That's fair. I mean, like in I guess in the context of them as fictional characters, you're right. And you can think of all reality TV stars. In, in the Bachelor cinematic universe. In the, in the BCU. BCU. Ooh. My wall sconce that I just... Look, you can see it changing colors. It's my new little reading lamp. Um, so you said you had embarrassing stories. So, yeah. So, basically, you know, on the topic of, like, romantic fiction and Pride and Prejudice more specifically, um, there are... The greatest book of all time, yeah, by the way. Yeah, obviously. Um, there are moments in, there's, like, a specific scene in Pride and Prejudice that, like, keeps me to connect these experiences thematically, which is a moment that I actually relate to a lot, which is, um, Elizabeth's behavior during either of the first two proposals. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the book. Because, like... Just, like, disgust? <laughs> well, no. Complete. I'm I'm actually, not, I'm a very... I'm I'm not easily disgusted as a person. Well, that's not entirely mm-hmm. true, but not by not by people. Um, <laughs> right. But there's a mixture for me of like extreme, just like black hole esque density, and just like in total gracelessness when one is put on the spot. Okay. Um. Which, so you're very oblivious and you're bad when with sudden declarations. Absolutely. Yes. Like the thing is like <laughs> um you know, I guess I guess you you eased into this by also telling like a fake sounding protagonist story, which some of these will sound like. Um, <laughs> like I'll just put it out there like, you know, so this does so this is not hanging over, you know, our heads when I tell these these stories that sound like bragging. Like I'm a bit of a damsel. Like I'll just admit that. Like I'm 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 in, I'm an occasionally pursued an individual. It's not a big deal. But mm-hmm. I, I'm like I have damsel like qualities as like a narrative figure. Like that's, that's you are wearing. I do want to point out for those listening, you are wearing a gorgeous little red bead and pearl droopy necklace, and sword earrings. Yes. So I'm and and like a a, a mostly a partially unbuttoned like maroon shirt. So I'm getting big Elizabeth Swan vibes from you right now. <laughs> oh my god, I love her. Um, big Elizabeth Swan vibes. Yes. Um. So. I'm like, yeah, I'm very oblivious, and more importantly than that, maybe, is that I just don't react well to being surprised in such a manner, and I'm almost always surprised because I have the situational awareness of a well-educated dog. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I basically, I don't do well. Right. In situations like this which which have happened to me more than maybe they should um so yeah so first the my first item on this on this little collage mm-hmm. oh my god it's always a good sign i'm sure for you when someone does the oh my god pause before telling a story <laughs> it's uh, just adds to the suspense baby so the year is 2014 i'm a sophomore in high school mm I'm there. It's chilling. Badlands by Halsey was just released. <laughs> I'm chilling. Top tier album. In, what was my album of the year for that year? 
1975. Pure Heroin came out the previous year, right? That was 2013. Yep, 2013. 2013, my favorite album, I think, was Bad Girl in Harlem, though, by New Politics. Of course. 2014. Anyway, so it's 2014. I'm chilling in creative writing class, you know, at my little table. And suddenly, literally suddenly, like actually suddenly, this senior, like an 18-year-old adult, Mm -hmm. like asks me to prom in front of the whole class and to be clear this mm. is like not really someone i was friends with like i mean i was friendly oh with God. in class but like i'd never hung out with them or anything like that anyway I'm like super, have to ask you who this was after super yeah yeah <laughs> in post super on the spot like i'm obviously very surprised and this is like one of my more justifiable surprises i feel like some of these later ones are probably pretty unjustifiable surprises but um yeah, she just asked me to fucking prom in front of the class, and, like, instantly, like, you know, everyone's looking. It's mm-hmm. class. You know, someone asked did, someone to Did prom. she make, like, a sign for you? No. She just, like, asked me. Um, <laughs> not very classy, right? Well, I mean, I have a, I have a similar story, um, so uh, we can compare notes. So I stand up because I feel like I've been cued to stand up. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't actually have a plan. Like, I think my first reaction is probably going, like, what like (laughs) so here's what i do i stand up i stand up like ask and in i won't even say this detail for like all the rest of the stories because you can assume it happens again like i pretty much ask them to repeat themselves like pretty much every time or like ask whatever um and i stand up and i like just take out I take out my phone and I text my brother who's in class and presumably not in a class where you can have your phone out, which was not his class, like asking him what to do in this situation. And he doesn't respond predictably because he's in fucking mm-hmm. class. So here's what I, so I use my neurodivergent savant memory to remember <laughs> that actually like four months prior Ashwin, you know, you remember the Ask FM chaos days, right? Oh, do I. So I remember that someone had asked Ashwin out on Ask FM, and he had this really funny response that I thought was really witty. <laughs> so you repeated it for me? So I go to ask.fm on my phone. <laughs> I pull up, in, like, still standing up, still everyone's looking at us, like, time is frozen. <laughs> and I scroll down his Ask FM. And, like, it's just super, like, in a not well-delivered at all, just, like, read out kind of, like, his response, which was, like, a scavenger, like, a, a tongue-in-cheek, like, scavenger hunt of hurdles to cross before you can ask him out. <laughs> like, in front of this poor, I mean, I don't feel ba- that bad for this adult who asked me out unprompted in the middle of class. But I felt a little, yeah. like, I was still the villain. I think this still makes me the villain in the story. Like, I crossed over from victim to villain <laughs> in doing this. And it was so embarrassing. Very few people were laughing at the things that I was reading out. <laughs> and eventually it was saved by another senior who kind of claimed in a tongue-in-cheek way that he he was already taking me to prom. And that kind of diffused the situation. Like, the thing is, I was trying to, like, lighten the mood by, like, doing a joke, which... Yeah. <laughs> Rookie mistake that I'll never learn from. Mm-hmm. And so that, yeah, that, that just, that's, that just kind of fizzled out. I was saved by another, another 18-year-old another adult. Another adult. Um, when I was a senior, I got asked to homecoming by a fellow senior in, like, a 60-person class. Leadership. Um, yep. And he, uh, had a costume and a sign and, um... I'm doing the like guess. put me on the spot in front of everybody 
and I said yes in the moment and then cried and texted him after and said no. That is, oh my god, that's such a classic, just bad experience to happen. I will obviously... Well, and also we weren't, we weren't even friendly. I mean, we were friendly in that we were civil, but, like, this wasn't someone who... Like, when I texted him him saying, like, no, I can't, like, that was our first text exchange. God! <laughs> like, we weren't buddies. It will come up, this, like, uh, false impressions of, of someone's reciprocity for you. That's definitely a theme in, in what I have. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, though, I assume, and I don't even have to assume, it's way worse for women who, like, you literally, like, smile. You can't, like, smile at a guy without them thinking, like, all right, I got it in the bag, let's go. Yeah, and I think that he's gotten better since this. I would hope. Like, through <laughs> through college. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was intense. Like, it was intense. Like, costume! He just is um, Stannis Baratheon. Oh, my, oh, Thrones. no. Yeah. yeah. Will you be my red queen, Miss Prom? It was it was some shit about, and I mean, granted, I was a Game of Thrones fan, so I think like that is what we would chat about is like Game of Thrones. But um, all right, boys, I got this. She also likes the most popular show in America right now. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about it. Sometimes we say Villar Morgulis in class. <laughs> Guys, I got this. She's got that Arya keychain on <laughs> her lanyard. Uh, yeah, I... Bro, she also was... likes the Smiths. <laughs> Too real. I don't. I don't like the Smiths, I'll say it. I mean, That's like, I'll probably to saved them. you from, you know, a lot of I these encounters like the in your life. It saved me from a lot of um, radio guys in college, I think. But... Zoe Deschanel really just threw that at us, and we've been dealing with the aftermath ever since. <laughs> so... Um, Yes, more. I want more. Part two. Same fucking classroom. 2015. Jesus Christ. Same creative writing class. Same thing. Same fucking thing happens, except this, you know, this will, this will uh, unlock a new aspect of my personality. So a sophomore, I'm a junior and a sophomore, who, to her credit, I am friends with at, mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, <laughs> at the time of recording, but she's on thin fucking ice. No, I meant that, like, I was friend. I haven't spoken okay. with this person in years, but they Got were my it. friend. Prom ask, point blank, middle of class, while I'm trying to do whatever creative writing bullshit we're doing. She asked you? Yeah. She's a sophomore. She can't buy tickets. That was, see, that was a thing. My immediate response was, is that allowed? (laughs) And then this starts, so that's like the whole story with that. Like, I just, you know, meekly say, is that allowed? It peters out. I eventually say, sorry, no. Um, I think I just say something like I'm not actually going to prom, um, which to be fair, like I was super, I was very much a homebody in most of high school. Um, mm-hmm. I would genuinely prefer to be in my house. Like I would not go to parties for like literally no good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like, like to stay home. I actually did not. Yeah. I didn't go to prom junior year. I just watched mm-hmm. movies with some friends. Um, you know, like, like, sure, you know, like, not? like a, like an indie, uh, you no. know, very Net- perks of being a wallflower. Netflix, Netflix, and a cup of tea. But so this started. This started, I think, an aspect of me that that I that I invoked very often, which is very fucking Northern Virginia. Which is that whenever like, because I don't like disappointing people. So like, whenever <laughs> I refuse something, most of the time, like some kind of personal thing, 
I almost always try to frame it in like a procedural <laughs> sense, <laughs> like making it about rules. <laughs> Like, is that allowed? Like, I just really cared about the fucking rules. Like, no, I don't think that's allowed. Yeah, like, literally. So this next one, which is also 2015, which is actually, like, kind of problematic in retrospect, even though I obviously wasn't considering the context at the time. Like, this person in in one of my classes asks me out, like, on, like, a date to, like, a protest. This is 2015. So, like, big, you know, very important protests going on Mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, my first, like, I say, like, <laughs> I, I inquire after the legality of this <laughs> protest, <laughs> which is did the organizers have permits? So or canceled. What? I was like, I want to get, I want to get in trouble. Um, get arrested. Which hopefully just applying to college. <laughs> hopefully, just like deflated interest in me by showing that I wasn't sufficiently punk and was able mm-hmm. to move on. <laughs> I'm like really not great at this and I should you know I should be and these were all girls who asked you yes on this stuff and you don't like girls as far as I know no I'm, I'm I swing both ways you know? okay you swing both ways okay yeah. I because uh, I was gonna say if because uh, uh, if you were like fully gay I was gonna ask if you thought that this was just like you're in this was some like weird repressed like <laughs> like reaction but you, you been, just weren't girls for you. I've been asked about this reaction thing, and I'm not saying that you're saying this, but, like, something that always gets to me about, like, these, like, justification questions is, like, it's hard to, like, not to sound like a fucking pedant, but, like, it's hard to, like, prove or justify a negative, you know? Right. Like, to me, like, at least, the idea of, like, yeah, I want to get with that person, it's a very specific opinion to have about someone. Like, right, it would apply yeah. to, like, at most, like, what, like, 3% of humans at a given time, right? So, like, it's not a big deal yeah. when it happens yeah, to Yeah, like, not... I guess it's, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> just, lot it's, this time. it's actually more expected that someone, that you would not be into someone. Yeah. Like, if any, if any, if, you know, out of any given 100 people, someone asks you out, for you, it's more likely that you're going to yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's not a big sense. deal. It's not personal. Yeah. But it obviously is the most personal thing ever. And it's funny because that's like a very specific opinion, but like the most hardwired important opinion for like an animal to have. So yeah, I guess maybe that that's where the question comes up. Well, and I, I yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like, I mean, I admire you for your gut instinct to be no, because I think for a lot of people, their gut instinct is to be yes. I mean, that's um, giving me a lot of credit. My gut instinct is, uh, 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 well, <laughs> Your gut instinct is whiny, I, don't want to break the rules. Can I see no, a warrant? I mean, but, like, I mean, I really wish that, like, for example, my senior year when this guy had asked me to homecoming, I really fucking wish I just said no to his face. But I didn't want to because I wanted to be nice, and I didn't, and it, it was like, my gut reaction was trying to figure out how to make it work so that i wouldn't be the bad guy which is like not i hate being the bad good like well and, and no because i mean honestly like you know i can think of four people who i'm the who right now i'm the bad guy to them you know what i mean and it doesn't mean that i did a bad thing it just means i made yeah, the mean decision you stood up for yourself. <laughs> that was right for me but that they didn't see as right for them which like is fine and like there are people who I think are the bad guy in my sort of story, who are not bad people. They just, they made the, a decision that I was like, 
that was fucking stupid. But, like, you know, that was the decision that they needed to make to, like, be the the best themselves they could be, you know? Um, so it's... Uh, excuse, I don't know if you can hear the fire trucks, but please. Um, you know, it's just New York, baby. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, like, um, like, I think... Like, I guess because, like, um, I guess the only time that could really bite you is if, like, someone that you really liked had asked you out and you had just been like, "Eh, I don't know. Um, But, like, it doesn't seem like that was ever really the case for you. Not really. I mean, it's interesting you talk about bad guys. I think this is, like, really one of the the strengths of mine is that I really don't hold grudges. Mm -hmm. And also I have this weird almost surreal anti-people-getting-mad-at-me shield mm-hmm. <laughs> that has really saved me throughout my life many times. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I think I don't honestly can't think of many bad guys who have, like, outstanding checks that I haven't just forgiven. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, I don't know. It's kind of boring and, of me. I don't think that's boring. <laughs> I think that's pretty, uh, that's pretty healthy of you. I think for me it's more like... Um, like, I wouldn't necessarily, so, like, when I say that, like, there are people who, like, in my, in my recollection, in my story, are the quote-unquote bad guy, I don't actively think about these people anymore, You don't cast spells like on them that. like Zach Braff. No, like, uh, well, and that's not even necessarily, I mean, one, Zach Braff's a creep, but that's not even, like, necessarily against Zach Braff, you know, punched just because a kid. I love Florence Pugh. Hmm? You know, punched a kid. Oh my god, no. There's a punked episode where, like, a kid was, like, fake oh, vandalizing yeah. his car and he just whooped their ass and Ashton Kutcher had to stop him. He's like, yo, stop hitting that kid. Um, I just know that he's never had a significant other over the age of, like, 27. Oof. And, which is, like, I'm sorry, but that's, like, fucking weird if you're in your 40s. That no, you've that's, never that's had, sus. like, an age-appropriate... That's sus behavior. That's sus. But anyway, um, because Florence Pugh's, like, our age, but regardless, anyway, blah, 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 moving on. Um, when I say that I have, like, grudges, or, or when I say people are the bad guys, I don't necessarily hold a grudge for them, but it's more like, this person is not a good person mm-hmm. for me to have in my life. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean they are a bad person. That just means that they are not good for me. Yeah, They're I totally feel that. They're not good for me to have in my life. But I don't, I don't, you know, I don't sit and stew and think about, like, I hope my terrible ex-boyfriend from freshman year has a shitty day today because like yeah. i don't really care it's like you know you i know? hope you have a good life but like i'm not gonna be a character in it ideally yeah i don't really want to know what happens in it and i don't really want you to know what happens in my life because i don't and and i think that there are people who probably feel that way about me you know like and i don't i don't presume to be above that yeah. um but i am a scorpio um <laughs> so i am intense so I, it does take me a long time to, like, get there, I think. Especially with people who, like, I dated or, like, I was really good friends with. Like, it takes me a lot of therapy sessions to, like, get through those emotions and through those grudges. Yeah. That's, you know, that's fair. I'm sure that there, I'm sure that there are justifiable stories behind all of them. Some of them, some of which are probably hidden in episodes of this podcast I haven't listened to yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... I'm a Gemini, like, by the way. I don't know a lot about... I don't know Ooh. a lot about astrology, but I know that's the bad guy. That's the bad guy. <laughs> Are, okay, were you born in May or June? May 29th. Okay, interesting. So I generally, um, I don't really have a ton of beef with Geminis. One of my roommates is a Gemini, um, <laughs> and one of my good friends is a May Gemini. Um, but I think the, I think the trick, 
I mean, I think, you know, with any star sign, like, there are people who I say that I'm a Scorpio, and they're like, okay, evil, like, <laughs> ick, and I'm like, no, I'm really nice, because, like, you know, I mean, it's, like, it's, it, for me, it's, like, a fun way to, like, make some sense of the world, but it's also not, like, anyone's defining characteristic, but I think that it sometimes explains people's sort of innate behaviors um like my sister's a taurus you know it's like it's like uh skull shaped you know some Mm -hmm. some guys some (laughs) guys just some guys just have a criminal's jaw but like (laughs) i'm not gonna judge you for it listen listen it's it's exactly what i say with phrenology (laughs) it's no never um well i mean here's a little freebie um I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my terrible ex-boyfriend from my freshman year of college, um, I had to pick him up from jail one night, and he, um, with his best friend and his fraternity president, the three of us in a car at midnight, I had an econ test the next day, um, and uh, when we picked him up, he wouldn't talk to me, and I found out he was cheating on me. That's a very... That's like, wow! It was some moon love, baby. That is <laughs> some, that is like an indie he, movie act one scene, right there. Oh, I wrote it into my screenplay. <laughs> well, not that specific scene, Jesus, but I jail. there's a character. The jail and cheating revelation combination. Again, I was always destined You're to be a protagonist. Right I love that like, for you. I I mean, who, like I didn't date him because I thought. I, because I thought it would be cool to date a criminal. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know <laughs> Which, he was going to end up in jail. Which, disclaimer, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like, a cab, but also, like, this guy sucks. Yeah. Um, so, this guy like... This be the president of jail. It was, so, that that's a little freebie for one of the bad guys God in my life. Damn, in, my, in my recollection. Oh. Um, I'm sure he's... I don't know. I hope he's doing well now. I guess. Hopefully. My next story is freshman year of college. I've moved on to being an adult oh, this time. So, a little bit of context. I was part of a, you know, very fun student organization. The purpose is too hard to explain, but basically we pretended to be a cult. Um, mm-hmm. It was like a very, okay. it was a very kind of like weird and quirky group where there are very few members per class. Like, there was, like, okay. ten people picked each class, and it was kind of, was like... Was it a secret society? Not really. Like, it was basically... So, basically, it was, like, we put on, like, a comedy show during October, but that was, like, basically <laughs> just, like, an excuse, and, like, most of what the club was about was, like, the weird parties that they threw with only okay. members and stuff like that. It was, it was you know, it was, it was a great time. Like, it was... It, was, it really okay. was a great time, but... Cool. <laughs> so, I was, I was part of this student organization, and when we first inducted this um one of the directors um who was perfectly picked because she had a british accent which made what she was saying more intimidating she listed mm-hmm. to us a bunch of rules and a lot of them you know didn't make a lot of sense or like tongue-in-cheek or like you know mm-hmm. just being about respecting them but one mm-hmm. of them number three was now hooking up because <laughs> the idea was that like at least during like rehearsal period and beyond like you would be spending a lot of time with each other and they were mm-hmm. concerned about like kind of validly that like the vi- they didn't want the vibe to be messed up between like mm-hmm. the 10 of us 
with, you know, sexual tension thrown around. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to tell you how seriously this rule tends to be taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as you say that rule, everyone's like, oh, no, so you're expecting us to hook up. Well, okay. it's more, it was more expected than you'd think. Mm-hmm. As in, it wasn't like a zoo, but it certainly, you know, it certainly wasn't Hammurabi's code. Anyway, <laughs> close Deep friend cut. of mine one night at a party, like very close friend of mine, to be clear, to, 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 to somehow how, how oblivious I am as a person. Like this person who I'd probably, let's call them, let's call them Owl. Let's use bird fake names. Mm-hmm. Um, let's call them Owl. Like, I would probably spend, like, four hours a day with this person during the right. early stages of freshman year. Um, right. And one night, I think, like, maybe she was, like, drunk or high or something. Um, just, like, straight up, in a very alpha, like, I have to respect way, <laughs> just, like, straight up asks me to be her boyfriend. Just not even, like, on a, like, not even, like, in a between state. Just, like, straight up. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, Anyway, you bet the first thing to come out of my lips <laughs> was talking about the fucking rule. It's not allowed. It's not allowed, Owl. <laughs> Owl, there's no hooking up. We can't. talking about the fucking rule. The rule. Babe, I'd love to. Sorry, the rule. It's the rule number three. And, yeah, so... Now, to be clear about how good of a friend I am, did not tell that this happened to a single person in our college ever while I was there. Wow. And we just, like, moved on, stayed great friends. I, you know, I don't actually know if they remember that this happened. (laughs) Maybe they didn't. Maybe that's why. But it was, like, literally, like, it wasn't awkward at all after that. So I guess it's, like, less of a fumble than a lot of these were for me. Um, but I still yeah. obviously had the not very great sore response of bringing up the rule in a procedural sense, as I always I mean, do. It's a good defense. It's a good it's defense. It's a good defense. Like, I don't necessarily blame you. Like, I wish I got there that quickly. It's funny, like... You know, a lot of people, a lot of, like, other Asian Americans, like, on Twitter and stuff will talk about, like, how strict their parents, like, the stereotypical, like, you know, strict mm-hmm. Asian parent. And, like, my my Indian father is very much not like that. Like, mm-hmm. once, you know, when we were, like, 17 years old, he asked us, so have you guys smoked weed yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes I kind of wish Microsoft, like... <laughs> Microcosmically, my, my dad said no. My dad's not letting me go to. Prom. I, I did have like a stereotypical Asian dad, so I could be like, "Sorry," especially yeah. to a white person, like as as oh, you yeah, know, because they'll just believe never they'll that. just believe anything. Um, yeah. Sorry, you know, my conservative Asian dad would just be really upset if I made out with you in Gladden Housing Hallway right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to pass on that. Sorry, sorry, I don't want to disappoint my elders. You know, it's like bad karma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to be reincarnated as a frog. So, this, um, the final, the final one, which is the I actual... This keeps happening. The actual crazy... But I'm not listing God, all the like times. you're like catnip for these people. I Jesus think... Christ, they want to fuck you so bad. <laughs> I think that there's something about me that just... 
brings out strange behavior in other people. Like, I'm some kind of, like, lamer, much less muscular twink Dionysus. around me this is not this is not like a cat fucking catalog this is a collage this is like mm-hmm. a picked out fucking montage from my life mm-hmm. of it my life as a fucking damsel anyway <laughs> freshman year again 2016 mm. i am hanging out with my friend owl this is post this is post the incident um mm-hmm. nothing to do with them necessarily uh and this there's this there's this person in our class they're like so you know not the character you'd expect to do stuff like this. They were very, um, kind of, like, very outgoing, like, cool, like, very powerful personality. And let's call him Eagle. <laughs> and one day, like, after me and me and Owl had been, like, eating dinner and, like, I, like, just briefly say hi to Eagle. Um, and Eagle is friends with Owl. And I'm, you know, I, we go back to Owl's room. We're watching Vampire. She's showing me Vampire Diaries. We would, like, sure. binge that early on. I hadn't seen it before, but she had. And we were, you know, we'd often, you know, early freshman year when you don't have a lot of homework, I would just, just hole up in her room and watch, like, five episodes of Vampire Diaries then go home. Sure. Sure. I, so her computer, her Mac gets, like, a, gets like a text an iMessage banner during Mm -hmm. this, you know, while we're seeing, you know, Elijah rip out someone's heart or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it basically was Eagle just texting her, inquiring after, you know, my availability, I guess. Oh, my fucking God. Jesus, man. And (laughs) she, like, shows it to me, like, laughs at it, and I'm like, (laughs) ha-ha. And so, like, I, like... I cannot have been very long at all. Like, I check, like, a Snapchat on my phone or something like that. Vampire Diaries is still on. I then notice that the sound isn't coming from the from the laptop anymore. And I look up at her, at her computer and her iMessage is, is open. And I see in her iMessage box is a fucking, like, FBI-style, like, psychological profile of me that is just, like, dumped into Eagle's inbox that also somehow does not answer the question still. Mm-hmm. But there's just, like, this fucking profile she writes in an answer to me. I'm like, yo, what? It's already sent. It's, like, blue. I'm like, bro, what? what is that? Like, why did you do that? And, like, you know, all this, like, carefully, you know, when you're a freshman, you gotta carefully cultivate, like, your mystique and your, like, impenetrability. Right. And just, like, totally penetrated that of me for this person <laughs> asking after my availability. Not not a great move. Um, oh and, yeah, I was like, come on. And she just, just, like, laughs at me. Um, but, like, in kind of apologetic, in a, like, somewhat apologetic sense. And then, like, almost immediately gets a text from them saying something along the lines of, like, well, like, I can help him, like, figure stuff about himself, like, figure out some stuff about himself, mm-hmm. windy face. And I was just like, don't respond to that message. Don't. And she was like, okay. If you want <laughs> us to stay friends. <laughs> like, okay. You're gonna, you're gonna close out of your iMessage, and you're gonna open Vampire Diaries back up. So things come, like, there's nothing happens from this for, like, a few days. And then I'm sitting in my room one day. You know, my freshman dorm, it's like, it's like nine-ish. Like, I'm in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just chilling in my room, like, reading some homework packet. Mm-hmm. And this person who I've never met before or talked to, this woman, let's call her Sparrow, oh my God. literally enters my room. Like, just enters my room. Jesus. Like, 
you know, not even recruiting for a club or anything where they, like, annoy you by walking in the room. Mm-hmm. Just, like, enters my room, point blank, like, I think just, like, asked me my sexuality. Mm. And first of all, first few weeks of college, I did not know the answer to that. No, no one does. <laughs> like, what, like... What kind of liberal arts experience <laughs> would it be if I like if you if if you go to a small liberal arts college and like you are one hundred percent like sure in like a perfect continuity of what your you know all your identity labels are in the first few months like you deserve at least a refund for the first <laughs> semester <laughs> like what kind of experience would it be anyway totally unhinged thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, I just, like, do some kind of stammering fucking, you know, graceless answer. I'm just like, what? Like, what? Yeah. Well, who are you? Like, you know, like a normal person who's who's confronted with this. And he asked me a few more personal questions, kind of like an inter- mixed interview and interrogation, and then compliments me on my performance in that comedy show and leaves. <laughs> and so, like, I tell a few of my friends, obviously, that this happened. I was like, what the mm-hmm. fuck was that? Um, I think that they tried to, like, swing the justification of them answering this, asking this question by, like, several maybe like 30 seconds later asking me i was just wondering if you knew where like the building that the qsu met in was which right, sounds right. like a lie to me um <laughs> i mean it was a lie and, that's and okay. so like, we're, we're far enough past it so i talked to my friends or i talked to a few of my friends about this and one of my friends figures out that like you know like oh you know like sparrow's friends with eagle and so like basically what what was intuited to happen, and this is never confirmed, but, like, intuited by someone who has good intuition, was that literally Sparrow was sent on a mission. Like, I was, like, a literal mission, like a, like a scout. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you know... she didn't do a good job. I, I'm floored at this. Like, I had not been the target of a mission in almost a year. Yes. <laughs> that is a story for another time. Again, oh the, Di- the Dionysian aura... But yeah, so like this is this is you know a totally, totally kind of crazy off out of left field thing for someone to do, um, and I kind of just a little bit disliked Sparrow since that because that's like a weird sure and it's, yeah I I support you to be that. clear I think that you know God doesn't really see the first semester of freshman year. Mm-hmm. And neither should I. So, like, I to hold nothing against whatever weirdo behavior people do to me. First, best, first year. People are yeah, fucking Yeah, but, you know, there's sometimes you're kind of like, you know, I just thing. don't think. Yeah. I think, you know. Bye. Yeah. It's, well. it's like, what is, what is, what is it that caught, that prompts people to act like that? Like, I don't know. Missions? Spirit, I guess. Like, why not just fuck? Am I, like, am I, am I so intimidating that I require missions? Like, fucking so. cat's paws to be sent at me instead of just talking to me so I could fumble and mention something about the rules and walk away? I guess. <laughs> In person? I guess there's just oh something about you, God. dude. Like, I've, so, sometimes... I've been both, like, unkindly and affectionately in my life. I've sometimes been called a tease. Mm. I don't think that's true about me. Like, I honestly don't. And maybe this is one of those things where it's, like, no one would ever say that they are. So, like, my word... I get called a flirt all the time, so I kind of feel you. me too. Exactly. I actually... 
But I am a flirt, is actually the thing. So that. really bleak thing that a friend of mine once told me is that they, they told me, like, I've been told a similar thing that I give off, like, flirtatious vibes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And something that my best friend told me is he said, John, like, one of the reasons for that is that you, you know, you, like, give people your full attention when they're talking to you. And usually... <laughs> And no one does that. Usually that's, like, especially with, like, you know, like, women who are often the ones coming on to me. Like, usually when men do that, it's it's for one reason. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is just one of the bleakest things that I have heard. It's 100% true. Jesus it's 100% Christ. true. And I, there's nothing I can do about that. Anyway, but I don't no. think, like, I've certainly never unwillingly you know like misled someone as to what my intentions are or what my answer right, might be yeah. to like you know would you want like as soon as you catch on you let someone know either way it just takes yeah. you a while to i mean catch like on. yeah i tend to catch on to when someone is into me approximately 30 seconds after they make the move right <laughs> not before but yeah but like yeah I, you're not gonna like uh just be like oh yeah sure if you know that you're I'm not you gonna be like, like i'm not like the friend zone caricature you know of like a string along like i've never i i've never like flirted with someone who i was not like attracted to unless it's like Ooh. wow <laughs> okay unless I it's have. like a joke between <laughs> friends uh-huh wait i flirt all the time for attention all the goddamn time. Give me I tell you that. <laughs> I just just realized what I what the words that left my mouth after I said them, and I was like maybe rethinking some things about <laughs> who I am and how I behave. But that's self reflection. Is maybe for that's enough. a that's a reflection for therapy. That's <laughs> a journaling reflection. That's not unless a, it's a joke. A, unless it's a joke between friends. That's not an oh no. <laughs> the thing that is clearly very well communicated all the time, especially given how well I, how good I am at reading vibes. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, flirting for attention is fair game. I yeah. think. You know, it's just like a way of, of. I have to. Interacting in the world, you know. I have to or else no one's going to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> I was um, I was giving you more benefit than doubt before you said that. <laughs> and then you just let it out. I was, listen, gonna, I was gonna let you off the hook. I can't help it. Um well, Jotin, thank you so much for being on Oh No with Anna Campion. Now I like to ask a question to wrap up every episode. Yes. Um and since you are the trope of the damsel, what is your favorite what is your honest to God favorite romance trope? Okay. So I'll do a sun and a moon one. Oh my god, okay. So, the sweetest to me is, like, childhood friends. Like, especially when childhood friends have been, like, separated during the cusp of, like, maturation, so they start seeing each other in another light or whatever. Mm Because I just think, like, there's such, like, a... I love the transmutation of affection that occurs in those relationships, you know? Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, it's there in, like, a very familiar bonding sense, and then a little bit of spice and mystique gets like added to it and it mm-hmm. stays it keeps its volume but turns into something else and something more powerful and mm-hmm. elemental and fuller and mm-hmm. that just you know always like is always very sweet for me to see that mm-hmm. kind of transformation from like a moon perspective i love enemies enemies Ugh. to lovers enemies to lovers is the best like enemies to lovers with the subtrope of there's only one bed <laughs> Ooh. 
Like, if Ooh. when I see someone, like, kissing someone who they've drawn blood from before, I'm like, this is so cool. This is, like, what life is all about. This is high rolling right here. Failed assassination because you fell in love? Okay. Fine. Do I want that to happen to me? Yes. I'm sorry, I do. Like, here's here's the actual greatest tragedy of my life. Mm-hmm. Is that um, I will never change my opinion on someone once it's fully formed. So oh, that means I you can't do enemies will, to lovers. I will never have enemies That's to lovers. That's so sad. I will never have enemies to lovers. I just no, don't have enemies. I have, I have an enemy. I have an en- I have hot? a straight-up enemy. Um, They're a man. We actually went to high school with him, but he is conventionally attractive. Um, And my parents always joke, like, well, they joked before I came out as gay, but they, <laughs> like, they were like, they were like, you guys are going to get married. And I'm like, honestly... I'd love it if that could happen. <laughs> I'd it. love to. I'd love to be able to like to do you know transform the way I see this person, but I can't because he's awful, <laughs> <laughs> and also he's a man. Um, so I'm never gonna be able to have an enemies to lovers. That's I feel really bad about that. I think what's honestly. actually gonna happen to me is is a best friends to lovers, like like a like a best friend. Oh, so like a healthy. Who can't admit it for, like, a year. Oh, that's so cute. I think that's actually what's going to happen. And then you get, like, defensive, but you don't know why when they're dating someone else. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, Taylor Swift in glasses to try to make her look Hollywood ugly, like, shows Mm -hmm. up across the street with, like, a sign. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Love... I love you. You belong with me, too. (laughs) And, you know, highs in, uh... Yeah. Bleacher, no, fuck, sneakers and, mm-hmm. and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. That's that's the wardrobe. It's not my wardrobe, personally, yeah. as you can see. I don't know. <laughs> it's my it's my wardrobe to a T. Well, right now I'm wearing a sweater that I got from a thrift store like for sweater. Clarkson Memorial College of Technology. Thomas S. Clarkson Memorial College of Technology. Which you, you know, you attended and got full on. I attended. Um, and, uh, but... In the summer, ooh, t-shirts and sneakers all the way. But um, is there anything that you want to, like, plug? Like, get people to, I don't know, anything? <laughs> I haven't I haven't really been producing a lot of content, you know. No. I wish I wish I could. Uh, me and, me and, um, me and our friend Bora are thinking about starting a podcast, maybe. We, we she she that. mentioned that to me. She she said she might need some tips. Yeah. Um, I'm currently reading, I'm currently reading a book for research on, on one of them, but we'll, we'll talk, we, I'll talk to you about this we, afterwards. We can talk about this. It's, yeah, um, fun. All right, fun awesome. Well, whenever, uh, you guys work on that, let me know and I'll plug it. Um, and on the podcast end, um, I will be giving you some stickers, dearest, um, but um, if you are not have not been a guest on this podcast and want stickers, um, if you donate to the coffee or the Patreon, and the links for that are in the bio, then you will get some stickers. Um, and you will also get patron credits at the end of every episode if you become a patron via Patreon. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review uh, so that more people can listen to us. Uh, we are at Ono oh the Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And um, if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, that's totally fine, too. We're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, all the Anchor is our is our host site, um, and all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, Jonathan, again, thank you so much, my dear. Thank you for having and, me. Yeah, and um, I'll catch all of you listeners on the flip.
A big thank you to all my patrons, Grace Murray, Lindsay, Morgan McCarthy, Alana Coleman, Kira Sears, Jillian Townsend, Schaefer Nelson, Clay Moyhan, Haley Pregnall, Caroline Phelan, and Sarah DeVellis. You guys are the best, and if you are interested in getting a shout-out like this at the end of every episode, please check out the Patreon. Ono's theme song was written, performed, and recorded by Katie Stahl and Mackenzie Haight, and the amazing cover art was done by Devante Burse, uh, at Devante Burse on all socials, at designed by Devante on Instagram.